Evidence and Answers. One of the most dangerous ideas that dominate the culture is the new tolerance. But what is it? What are the failures of this ideology? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today's message by Dr. Zucran was recorded at our recent Hawaii Apologetics Conference. This conference is hosted each year by Pat. Pat presents many renowned Christian apologists and international speakers, all experts in their field. This year's theme was Apologetics That Connects. If you're unable to hear the entire message, all of our broadcasts are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's Pat with part two of his message entitled, The New Tolerance. There are several failures to this new definition of tolerance. First of all, truth by its nature is absolute, narrow, and exclusive. Truth exists. It's undeniable. I was at a university, and a young student confronted me on what I was teaching, and he says, I disagree with everything you say because there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. So I looked at him, and I said, let me repeat what you just said. There's no such thing as truth. He said, yes. And I said, I'm going to repeat it one more time. There's no such thing as truth. And he, he angrily said, yes, that's what I said. So he still didn't get it. So I looked at him. I said, is that a true statement you just made? So to say there's no such thing as truth is a truth statement. Truth exists. It's undeniable. Truth by its nature is exclusive. It's narrow. Truth is narrow because it excludes its opposite. When someone says, oh, you're narrow-minded, you can say, well, that's the nature of truth. Aristotle's law of non-contradiction says this, opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. It's a universal law of logic. It's the basic foundation of logic. Opposites cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. If God exists, then the proposition God does not exist cannot be true. Truth is narrow because it excludes its opposite. Truth is absolute. It's universal and it's narrow. Two plus two equals four and only four. Not five, not ten, not eight, not whatever I want it to be. Two plus two equals four. Oh, how intolerant, how narrow-minded. Well, that's the nature of truth. A triangle has three sides. That's true in Africa, it's true in America, and it's true in Asia. And a triangle only has three sides, not four, not five, only three. My, how intolerant, how narrow-minded. That's the nature of truth. In 2015, Barack Obama is the president of the United States. Well, that's an absolute truth. In 2015, it is true, Barack Obama is the president of the United States. That's the nature of truth. Truth, by its nature, is absolute, it's narrow, and it's exclusive. When you go to your accountant, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth. Okay? When you go to your doctor or your pharmacist, you better hope he has a narrow view of truth. 
Okay, when you get your prescription and you ask the pharmacist, how many pills do I take? You don't want him to say, one, two, three, oh, whatever you want, go right ahead. You hope they have a narrow view of truth. That's the nature of truth. Truth is absolute. Truth is narrow. Truth is exclusive. And the only way to determine truth is by open-minded consideration and discussion of the evidence. When faced with competing truth claims, the only way to arrive at a meaningful conclusion is by looking and discussing at the facts and considering the evidence. So if someone says, oh, you're narrow-minded, well, that's the nature of truth. Second, all beliefs, lifestyles, and values are not what we call morally equivalent. Should we tolerate all values, beliefs, and lifestyles as equally valid and true? Or are there ideas that we would consider false and dangerous that we must have the courage to stand up against? Should we tolerate ideologies that teach racism? Should we tolerate the values of the KKK and allow them to proliferate in our culture here? Do their ideas deserve to be respected and be considered equally true as all others? Or should we stand against their ideologies as false? Should we tolerate the ideology of Nazi Germany? I'm glad we did not. Should we tolerate the ideologies of the Taliban and other radical Islamic groups? Their ideas deserve to be respected and considered equally valid and true as all others? Or should we stand against this kind of ideology? Should we tolerate groups that teach racial discrimination or allow for the abuse of women or the exploitation of children? Consider several facets of Islamic teaching. For example, historic Islam. How were they to treat unbelievers, those who are not Muslims? Well, chapter 9 of the Quran is a guideline. Fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem. Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold forbidden that which hath been forbidden by Allah and his prophet, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are people of the book, until they pay the heavy jizya tax of the unbeliever and live with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. So according to the teachings of the Quran and the way Muhammad lived, if you're not a follower of Islam, you have one of three choices. Convert, meet the sword, or live as a second-class citizen paying the heavy unbeliever's tax. Is that an ideology we want to allow to proliferate? Or is that one we should stand against? How about the, some of the teachings we find in the Quran and in the Hadith? Men are the maintainers of women because Allah has made some of them to excel others and because they span out of their property. The good women are therefore obedient, guarding the unseen as Allah has guarded. And those on whose part you fear desertion, admonish them and leave them alone in the sleeping places and beat them. Then if they obey you, do not seek a way against them. Surely Allah is high and great. Women 
Should we allow this kind of teaching to be proliferated to our young people and throughout our culture? Or should we stand against this ideology and say, no, we consider this a false and dangerous kind of teaching that we stand against? What about this? In the Hadith, the Prophet said, isn't the witness of a woman equal to half that of a man? The women said yes. And he said, this is because of the deficiency of a woman's mind. Women, is that the kind of teaching we should be allowed to, to say equally valid and true and should be allowed to proliferate throughout our culture? Well, the vast majority of us here would not tolerate such kinds of teachings. However, if all beliefs are equally valid and true, if truth is relative, then on what basis can we judge these teachings as true or false? What grounds do we have to oppose these ideas as false or harmful? You see, a society like a healthy human body, a healthy human body can tolerate a lot of things that come into its system. But when things come into the body that is not healthy, the body automatically knows to reject it and fight against whatever dangerous thing has entered into the body. And true tolerance has moral guidelines and boundaries. A truly tolerant society can distinguish between laws that are morally good and laws that are unjust and would be harmful. They can distinguish between ideologies and behaviors that are moral and immoral. Next, the new tolerance is not livable. Even its own advocates do not practice it. See, the truth of a teaching can be seen if you can live it out consistently, right? For example, Christianity. Can we live out the truths of Christ consistently? Maybe not perfectly, only Jesus could, but can we live it out consistently? Well, the new tolerance, as you can see, even its own advocates have trouble living it out consistently. You see, the unspoken reality is that your position will be tolerated as long as you follow the party line. Once you express a position that we don't like, we're going to label you intolerant. We saw this recently with the NFL football coach, Tony Dungy. Just a couple of years ago, they asked him, would you draft the openly gay linebacker from the University of Missouri, Michael Sam? And Tony Dungy, Super Bowl winning coach, of the Indianapolis Colts said this, I wouldn't have drafted him. Not because I don't believe Michael Sam should have a chance to play, but I wouldn't want to deal with all the distractions. It's not going to be totally smooth. Things will happen. Well, what happened to Tony Dungy the very next day? He got roasted all over the news. He was called a racist, a bigot, intolerant. People were calling for his firing from the news, from the sports news arena. Keith Oberman, on his talk show, labeled Tony Dungy the world's worst person in sports. He called Tony Dungy a hypocrite, compared Tony Dungy's comments equal to racism. Now, those of us who had the privilege of meeting Tony Dungy probably know he's one of the most gracious men you're ever going to meet. 
I don't know if there's a hateful bone in this man's body. A very kind and gracious man. Yet, because he said that, he was labeled as intolerant. Now remember, just the year before, similar comments were made about another football player. Almost every coach was saying, we wouldn't draft Tim Tebow because he would be a distraction. See, Tim Tebow was a very outspoken Christian, very outspoken about his faith, and most coaches said, I wouldn't draft him because he'd just be a distraction. Tony Dungy pretty much said the same thing, but Tony Dungy got roasted by the news all over the United States. So you see, the new tolerance is actually a very intolerant position. It's not livable. Even advocates of it, the gay community, crying out for us to tolerate their alternative lifestyle, when anyone speaks out against it, we're labeled intolerant. They will not tolerate us. And finally, a tolerant society that accepts this new definition of tolerance that stands for nothing will be destroyed by those who do not tolerate it. There's a saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Philosopher Karl Popper said this, if we extend unlimited tolerance even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed and tolerance with them. We see this happening with our friends in Europe. This new definition of tolerance, or which is the root of political correctness or uh, multiculturalism, has had a corrosive effect with our friends there in Europe. In 2011, when David Cameron became prime minister, he gave what he said was one of his most important speeches. And he said this, the decades-old British policy of multiculturalism, the belief that all cultures, values, and lifestyles are valid and true and should be tolerated, has failed miserably. And now England and other European nations have become one of the largest breeding grounds for radical Islam. The policy has allowed Islamic militants leeway to radicalize young Muslims, some of whom went on to the next level by becoming terrorists and that Europe could not defeat terrorism simply by the actions we take outside our borders with military actions like the war in Afghanistan. Europe needs to wake up to what is happening in our own countries, he said. We have to get to the root of the problem. I think David Cameron gave a great warning there that Radical Islam cannot simply be defeated by defeating it on the battlefield. The root of the problem is defeating the ideology. And to throw away this definition of this new tolerance. But if all truth is relative, there's no such thing as absolute truth. On what basis then? Would you stand against the teachings of Islam and identify it as a false and dangerous system? On what basis would you stand against this ideology if all beliefs, lifestyles are equally valid and true? 
Pointing out these failures is one of the best ways to deal with these advocates of the new tolerance. Now, a good and healthy and tolerant society must be able to distinguish good from evil. This requires a universal moral law code by which we know what we will tolerate and what ideas, behaviors, and laws we will stand against. And what are these moral guidelines? Well, every healthy society needs a moral guideline, a compass to determine right and wrong, a system in which they can judge whether they're getting better or they're getting worse, a universal moral law code. And I believe the Bible has demonstrated throughout history that it provides the best moral guide and boundaries for every society. The Bible provides the principles to create a healthy and truly tolerant society. Now, in the final point I want to address here on this topic is, did Jesus teach the new tolerance? The most popular verse quoted by the culture today is what? Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. That's the most popular verse that's quoted in the culture today. I was teaching in a church in California, and a lady asked me, she said, is homosexuality a sin? I I knew I was going to get that one. She says, homosexuality a sin? And I said, well, according to what the Bible teaches, and she immediately, she said, judge not, lest you be judged. You shouldn't judge anybody. Judge not, lest you be judged. And I said, okay. I don't make the judgments. Let's read what the Bible has to say. She said, just not let you be judged. Just not let you. And she wouldn't let me talk. So finally, when we calmed her down, I said, let's see what that verse says that you're teaching here. Did Jesus teach the new tolerance that we should never judge anyone, that all beliefs, lifestyles, and values are equally valid and true, and we should not judge any? Well, Right after this verse, Jesus says these things. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He's saying a lot of belief systems out there are wrong. The right way is a small and narrow road. Is that judging? You bet. Look what he said. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Is that judging? You bet. He's exhorting us to identify teachings that are true and teachings that are false. Later on in verse, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Jesus was judging there. In fact, throughout the New Testament, we are exhorted to identify truth and identify what is false, to judge between truth and error. If we go by the new definition of tolerance, we'd have to conclude Jesus was one of the most intolerant and unloving people that ever lived. Well, what was Jesus saying here? 
in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Jesus is not saying do not make any judgments on right or wrong. He regularly rebuked and judged between right and wrong. But he's commanding his disciples not to judge hypocritically or by the unrighteous standard of men. According to that passage, what does Jesus say? In the very next verse, he says, Do not say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a two-by-four in yours. First, take the two-by-four out of your eye. Then you can say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye. Jesus was commanding us that before we judge others, we should take care of the sin in our own lives before we point out the sin in someone else. Jesus was saying, do not judge hypocritically or by the fault standard of men. And in verse 2, he says, for in the same way you judge, you too shall be judged. If you do, your hypocrisy in the end shall turn around and be your own judge. So don't point out or condemn others of sin while overlooking your own sin. We're not to set ourselves as superior over others or above them in judgment. You know, some of the strongest words of condemnation of Jesus was against hypocrisy. Jesus was telling us, before you point out the sin in others, deal with the sin in your own life first. Do not judge hypocritically or by the false standards of men. He was not teaching the new tolerance. Well, what are some applications we can learn for today? Well, number one, healthy societies must be discerning, able to identify ideas that are true and ideas that are false and can be dangerous to a society or a culture. Second, we must not embrace the new tolerance, but have the courage to stand up for God's truth and to stand up and readily identify ideas that are false in light of God's truth. Third, we must practice true tolerance and civility that the Bible teaches. We are to be civil with those who disagree with us, even as we stand to oppose ideas that are false and do not agree with God's word. We have not always done a good job of that throughout church history and even today. But as Christians, we must practice true tolerance that we can disagree but be civil and loving and respectful and instead of seeking to coerce the other person to persuade them by the power of our ideas. And finally, truth functions like a two-edged sword. Jesus said the truth will set you free, but truth can also offend. It's hard to be confronted on your own sin and your own ideas that you embrace that may be wrong or false. So remember, those who stand for truth, especially God's truth, can expect hostility from a culture as living in darkness or sometimes just in open rebellion to God. We often forget that this is something as Christians living in a fallen world, that we should be prepared and ready and to courageously stand and be prepared for. Well, ideas do have consequences. 
And as Paul states, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. May we be a generation of Christians who do not embrace false ideologies but have the courage to identify them and stand against them and to articulate powerful and persuasive arguments for God's truth. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please partner with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and answers. <laughs>